All right, everybody, welcome back to the Warrior Mindset and Motivation Podcast. I'm your host, retired Army Sergeant First Class Eric Castillo. I'm also a life coach at Zimi Wellness Center in Indigenous Sovereignty. Uh, today, got a, another another Marine. I've been on like this Marine kick lately, where I've had like Marine after Marine after Marine. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on with these Marines. Maybe the Marines just got something to say. I'm not sure, but um. It's always I always like having Marines because they're 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 a special kind of group of people. They are. I love them. So uh, his name's Matt Jimenez. He's uh, he was in the Marines and he does stuff on Instagram. And I, that's how I came across him was Instagram. And he does some pretty good stuff. He does funny stuff. He does some pretty raw stuff, some pretty real stuff, um, even pulls on heartstrings from time to time. And I felt that it was, you know, just to have him come on here and share his story. And he's got a couple of things he's going to share with you. Uh, as he tells his story and some things that he's got going on, and he's someone that you should check out and follow. And if you want to follow him, his description, his uh, his some of his tags are in the description. So uh, yeah, Matt, go ahead, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, man, and what you've been up to. And thank you so much, Eric. Um, first off, I have to say it, it's such a corny thing to say, but right off the bat, I'm I'm super excited to be here. I love doing <laughs> podcasts mainly because Marines love to hear themselves speak. So I, I think I think it's a uh, we like to do it in front of a camera too, so we can see if there's still crans in front in our teeth, you know. <laughs> well, if I didn't I have, see any, so you're good. All right, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you know, you know, I uh, I'm 32 years old. I am a father of five, and I, I always say those things first too because I like to reference that because for the people who are listening and not watching, a lot of times they think I look younger. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm an 80s baby, and I grew up in the 90s in sunny Southern California, but I'm sorry to all my country boys. I am from California, but I did also grow up in Nebraska. So we did all the mudding and uh, skeet shooting and all that fun stuff too. I grew up in kind of like a military family, right? So my uh, uncle, Vietnam, 0311 rifleman. Um, my cousin, uh, also Marine. My other cousin, Navy. My great-grandfather, 11 Bravo, World War II in the Army. You know, he just passed two weeks ago mm. and um, he passed away in his sleep. It, it, it's a it's a great thing to see somebody live that kind of life. And all of those inspired me to join the Marine Corps. But what really got me to actually join the Marine Corps was I was homeless. Uh, I spent about a year out on the streets. Um, we're talking about one McChicken and maybe a large French fry somehow if I could get one. <laughs> So I ended up joining the Marine Corps about a uh, buck 19. And of course, I joined as an 0311 rifleman because I had no idea there were other jobs in the Marine Corps. <laughs> like I called the recruiter and he's like, uh, what were you thinking about doing? I was like, I, I want the, the gun and the, the, the shooting thing. That's what you guys do. He's like, yeah, that's what that's what we do. And of course, this is during Iraq in Afghanistan, 2007. Mm-hmm. I rolled right into the Marine Corps as an as a a feisty little buck 20 Hispanic who wanted to get out there and get some. And uh, I did. (laughs) I did, unfortunately, for my mental health. But fortunately for my life, I think it was the best decision. I think it was the best decision and the worst decision I could ever make at that time because I threw myself into it not knowing I had a baby on the way. Not knowing I had, uh, you know, I was a guy who got the girl pregnant right before he went to boot camp. Oh, I'm that guy. You're the guy <laughs> you meet right after boot camp who says, "Oh, by the way, I'm having a baby." Yeah. Um, time went on. I did three deployments overseas, and I did every type of deployment you can do. 
I did a humanitarian deployment. I did a booze cruise where we've just floated around the ocean. And then I did a combat deployment, which is one of the more famous combat deployments recently um, for bad reasons. And I was a part of that one too, which we can talk about. And, you know, that's, that's the, that's the sweet and short bit of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So um, when you would join, where do they send you off to? I know that Marines usually do the boot camp in two places. It's either down at Pendleton or Paris Island. Where'd you go? I, you know, I'm from Southern California. So I went to boot camp right here in San Diego. Very lucky. And then when they told me I was going to be stationed in North Carolina, I said, Sergeant, where's North Carolina? He said, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and yeah, and I ended up serving on the East Coast in nice. June. Well, oh, that's the yeah. same like me too. I'm from LA and mm. I joined and I did my basic training in Oklahoma. Right. Or Sill, where I didn't think it was possible to see every season in one day. Like right, I right, was right. 17 years old, freaked the hell out because it rained, it snowed, tornado warning, and then it got to like 90 degrees. I was like, what the hell is happening? I thought it was the apocalypse or something. You know, like all the guys from LA, we all rushed under a stairwell. And then we were getting yelled at because we didn't come out the stairwell because it was freaking raining and it was like tornado sirens and crap. So it was like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what humidity was. I got to, I think I got to the airport at 5 a.m. in July and I said, why is it wet? Why do I feel like I'm covered in butter? They're like, Jimenez, that's humidity. I was like, puberty? What'd you say? <laughs> humidity, dumbass. Yeah, I, the humidity is. Is something else there, especially on the East Coast. It gets so because I went to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, my first duty right. station, and right. it's just like it's stupid humid over there. And it's just like, geez, you know. And like at first, I was like, I would complain about the heat, but like after like deployment after deployment after deployment, the heat really didn't bother me no more. I actually ended up liking the heat, and I'd prefer to be hot now versus cold. You know, just really, yeah, oh yeah. And we would talk about this like in the field all the time, and. I mean, and people know, like, you know, when you're in the field and you do training, you have unique conversations there in the field where conversations that only happen in the field. Like we argued about hot versus cold for about two hours about what was better and why. And then after that, somehow we argued about chocolate for three hours. Yeah. like Light versus dark chocolate. I don't know. It was just people were going back and forth. And it was just my it was just my squad. It was just nine of us. And we were just going back and forth. And then someone walks up from the from the other section, like, hey, what about Belgian chocolate? And we all stop. And well, that was a whole nother 45 minutes about Belgian chocolate. You know, so it's like I, I should have joined the army because all we did in the Marines is just go in the tent and get naked together and do weird stuff. It's mad. <laughs> I knew I should have joined the army. Yeah, like and I mean, the Army has its pros and its cons, too, you know, like, with my job being a field artilleryman, like, when we weren't doing our job, we were just doing, like, uh, I call it busy work, you know, like, in 2000, when, when stuff was a little more, like, stricter and harder, we had to, like, rake the dirt. It was interesting. We were for bread. <clears throat> we had to rake the, the grass dirt, because it was, like, a mixture of grass and dirt, but we had to put lines in the dirt on the ground, then go to formation and stand on those lines. And then once formation and close of business was done, go rake and put lines on the ground again. <laughs> that That's nice to know because now I know that the guys who trained me, it was you guys. It was you guys. That's good. Yes. Now I know why they're so angry when I got there around 07. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, and it was things like that. Like, it's raining outside. 
you know, but you're or it's snow, but you're gonna sweep. Like it's like, but it's snowing. No, you're gonna get the snow off the ground. It's freaking snowing. It's in Germany yeah. and it's snowing, but we're gonna shovel snow while it's snowing. And it's like, come on, man. Like seriously, <laughs> I try and tell like young people. They ask me, um, you know, because my my social media platforms. I like to try and talk to as many people as possible. And I try and make sure that the romanticization that Hollywood has instilled in the military doesn't get funneled through to their soft, jelly-like minds to where they think they're going to look like Mark Wahlberg and they're going to be fighting 300 Taliban on a hillside. I say, no, you're going to get beer bottles thrown behind you as you're doing a police call and you have to start all over and pick those up too. And they're like, what is that? I was like, well, you're going to have fun learning. Oh yeah, like there's a whole bunch of stuff. That's that's the stuff that's never talked about. But I was lucky. My recruiter was actually honest, um, which I know is a rarity. Um, He told me because I told him I want to be artillery, and he was like, uh, "Well, you know, it's a fun job." He's like, "But it's 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 redundant and it's boring, and you're going to go to the field a lot." He's like, "It's in the name of your job, field artillery. You're going to train." He's like, "But when you're not training, you're going to do stupid shit." You're going to do things that don't make sense and you're going to wonder why, but you're just going to do them. <laughs> yeah. So, my my recruiter said something like that. He said, it's the best job you're ever going to have that you never want to do again. Mm-hmm. That's and it's like, and it cracks me up too. Cause when people say that they were just this and when they get out that the jobs don't transfer over, you know, like for skills, it actually does, you know? So like that, and that's another stigma I try to break too, because look, I'm an artillery guy. Yeah, there's no artillery in the civilian sector, but I'm working at Intel Corporation right. that builds the computer chips. Like, right. I have zero skills, but they hire veterans. Like, I didn't have none of their skills that they were looking for. But the skills that you get in the military, they're they're one of a kind. You learn yeah. how to lead. You're responsible for people. Your time management, project management, presentations, all the Microsoft Office stuff, Adobe, like counseling people. Like, there's a whole bunch of skills as long as you translate it the right way. And right. your resume can look legit. Yeah, you don't got the school to back it up, but that's when you find that one hiring manager who's willing to take a chance on someone, like how they did with me. They took a chance with me. Like I told the guy, I was like, well, if you, I don't have none of your skills up here for like engineering degrees and things or anything else. I go, you want me to make someone disappear? I could do that. Yeah. If you need like security protection? I can do that too. You know, I was like, I, I can, I can, I'm good at those things, but this yeah. year, I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not about this. And this was at a job fair on post at, in Hawaii. And he's like, all right, that's cool, Sarn. Just give me your resume. And I was like, oh, okay, here. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He, he took it, and then the rest was history, you know. And I'm I, I'm employed there now for now until I get uh my nonprofit up and running, and then I'm gonna try to do that full time. Nonprofit. Um, yeah, I have a nonprofit uh, with my fiance. It's called Task Force Lighthouse. Okay. And uh, what we do is uh. She's a she's a energy healer. She's a she works on body and emotion code. And what she does is she helps release imbalances, imbalances and uh, stuff in the body to kind of like things that are like trapped emotions, things that you carry, things that you were born with. Like while you're be while you were in the womb with your mom, you inherit those things. So what she does is she uses a uh, energy flow and um, intuition and things and releases that stuff. And I'll tell you, Matt, that stuff is legit. Like I did it in. I won't say it, it, it helped my PTSD a lot. Yeah. Like it, like when I did a session with her and she's also a certified uh, sound bowl therapist, like with the big old brass Tibetan sound bowls. Yeah. She's one of the few that are certified here in the Pacific Northwest. And 
that's a combination of that and what she does is is incredible. And then so what we offer is while she does that with a veteran, I coach them yeah. on transition. You know, like depending on what I see they need, it's either going to be life purpose, happiness, goal setting, transformation. Maybe you just need like a reboot and we'll yeah. do that. And I'll get you rebooted and reset and send you back out to society, you right. know, and it's of no charge because it's a nonprofit. So right. we, we, we bank on donations and things like that. And, you know, we just started up. So like I got a Facebook page out there. I got a uh, Instagram. So we're starting to get that up and going, you know, so that's that's kind of like a little bit about what I got going on the side. But, uh, oh, thanks, dude. And it's like, I, you know, I just, she, she has a, a veteran clients that she helps, you know, before even started. Like, she doesn't charge veterans because, especially, uh, combat ones, because, um, they've seen stuff, done stuff. And sometimes, like, yeah, you can go through the counseling in the schools, but that's just, there's just some things that a person can't really fix on the outside. And it's something that on the inside that has to be released and let go energetically. And spiritually too. And you can feel the difference when it's done because then you'll feel like different. You know, you'll feel like, wow, I feel a little bit lighter. I feel a little more inspirational. I feel more motivated to do stuff. And it's not like once it's gone, it's gone. Like it'll go, but then, you know, something can happen and it'll come back and it just in a different form. Or maybe it was just some of it, but there's just still some more that isn't ready to be let go yet. And that's the same thing like with my case. Like I still have stuff that's there that's not, that just doesn't pop up to her like when she does it like so it's basically what comes up and then she's like all right time to let this one go and it's kind of like if you were to do it you would be talking like this virtual because of covid you would be talking to her and she'd be working on you while you're talking you know right. whatever you're talking about uh, a sport or just like it's almost like an indirect counseling session but not so much because it's more just like it helps her narrow down stuff as while you're talking to get stuff out and it's really neat you know like it's yeah. and that's that's kind of the stuff we do but um, I know as you were talking about your diplomas, I want to hear about your humanitarian and your booze cruise. I want to hear about those, like, because I did a humanitarian mission also, yeah. um, and that one was kind of it was. I won't say it was really humanitarian, but uh, we went to Hungary and we trained the free Iraqi forces at the time. It was like yeah. a whole bunch of them, and everyone has specific jobs. And then I trained them in uh marksmanship and hand to hand combat, and then I jacked up my wrist during one of the things, so I had to wear a brace. But um, that was my little humanitarian type thing. But for you, what was yours? You know, we we were lucky enough to do a Mew. And I thought, you know, this isn't what I signed up for. I thought I was going to go somewhere and do something. And for those listening who do not know what a Mew is, it stands for Marine Expeditionary Unit. Basically, um, a battalion of Marines. I was with 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines. It's about two or 3,000 guys gets put on multiple ships with the Navy. And we float around the ocean and kind of have to just do what the Navy doesn't want to do and then stop at liberal ports, get drunk enough to not have to think about the things you have to do for the Navy when you get back on ship. For instance, I was in a trash room for about six months and I had to um, take all the plastic, compress it down, put it in discs and then throw it off the side of the ship. And that's what I did for about six or seven months. And I thought, this isn't what I signed up for as an infantryman. So (laughs) we get back from that deployment and I'm thinking, all right, fine. Maybe the next one will be what I signed up for. And unfortunately it was. Uh, About a month later, uh, Haiti happened. And if those who aren't listening don't remember Haiti in 2010, there was an earthquake that Mm – 
unfortunately took the lives of 200,000 uh, Haitians. And when I say took the lives of 200,000, you have to do a multiplication of the other people who are most likely wounded. So there's probably at least 1 million wounded to go along with that 200,000 who were killed in the initial uh, earthquake, earthquakes. Um, then President uh, Barack Obama sent us, even though we had just been back from our MU. And the way a MU works is there's a period of time to where you're responsible for anything that happens in the world within 72 hours. The Marines can be sent anywhere in the world without the approval of Congress. So for some reason, if war broke out in North Korea and South Korea, uh, then President Barack Obama could have sent us to help defend South Korea with zero notice, you're going to Korea to fight in the next world war. That didn't happen. What did happen was we were still within that last period of time to where we could be emergency redeployed. And we were, and it was to Haiti. And I tell people, even with all the combat, which we saw on our combat deployment in Afghanistan in 2011, Haiti was actually the hardest deployment I ever went on because there's no credit in the Marine Corps infantry for something that doesn't have to do with combat. So you don't get to be a combat veteran, which is the thing that's held with reverence in the Marine Corps. In the Marine Corps, if you haven't been shot at, you're not a man. And I'll say that again. If you haven't been shot at, you're not a man in the Marine Corps infantry. And a lot of people who have been there will say, I hate it and it's true. Uh, It doesn't matter how many deployments you've been on. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter if you know the max effective range of an M16, A4, and a point in area target, or M203, or the kill radius of a grenade. It doesn't matter. If you haven't been shot at, you're not a real Marine. So when they sent us to Haiti, you weren't shot at. You just had to deal with wounded and dying people or people who had unfortunately passed already. And we're talking a million plus and 200,000 bodies. Yeah. And I was, I think I was 20. I think I was about 20 years old at the time. And I had just been put in charge of my first fire team. And instead of leading them and doing contact front or buddy rushing or clearing a room or teaching my point man how to keep his rifle up. I was telling them, are you okay? After they just carried uh, a dying child. And that's a whole different toll than combat. Like, I mean, right. yeah, you could, that, that's maybe in the, in the beginning of the war. Yeah. But like yeah. on a, on like natural disaster and you're carrying civilians that where there's like no combat, I can't imagine the mental toll that that takes. Like it's crazy. That that's the problem is that you you didn't get to have a mental toll. There was zero respect for anything that we were doing because we weren't in combat. So the whole culture was, shut up. This isn't even combat. That was the whole culture of that deployment. And when I came home, uh, you guys have uh, cherries and boots in the Army, right? Mm-hmm. Like somebody who's like fresh or hasn't really done anything or who's new. Yeah, yeah. We have just boot. Like you're just called a boot. But a boot is like the equivalent of... I'm attempting to disrespect you. I'm not saying it as a joke or in passing. If I say, if I call someone, if I say I'm going to curse, I hate cursing, but if you're a fucking boot, it's just pretty much saying you're nothing. So when I came home from that deployment, I was still considered a boot, even though I was a team leader, even though I'd been in for two years and done Mm -hmm. technically two deployments and saw a lot of horrible things that I didn't even see in actual combat zone Mm -hmm. in comparison. Um, when I, when I talk to a therapist now, uh, unfortunately, my, my post-traumatic stress disorder, which I was diagnosed with, is actually more based on Haiti rather than combat. 
it's more based on wounded children or dying children. Yeah, no, I I can see why, especially during that whole thing. Like, I mean, I know I've I've was in some pretty hairy situations in in combat deployments. I didn't have any of those like how you did. I think the uh, I think one of the things that I because I didn't really see a lot of dead bodies a lot. I think the one that we saw was like an accident that happened. It was my last tour in 2014 and it was an accident and it was a pretty bad one. Nothing bad, but we were coming back and we stopped to help. And there was dead mom, dead kid, injured guy had like his uh bone sticking out. And that's when we learned like, you know, they were doing and the men aren't allowed to touch the women, yeah, you know, at all. And I had to tell my guy, I knew that because I was like my, I was on my sixth deployment already. So I already knew that, but like they were going to go help. And I was like, no, I was like, we need to stand back and they need to tell us what to do. Um, they need to tell us what we need because we're, we're facilitating them. And right. you see like the women, cause they had the long burger. So the women were carrying them. And then I helped the guy, um, with his leg. And then one of my other soldiers helped, uh, Move the kid because the kid was a boy. So it was, it was a lot of stuff, but like to compare it to like Haiti. Oh, that was you, dude. That's, that's some stuff right there. Like it's, oh, every, everyone has their own weight in their own pack. So when, when yeah. I try and compare my things, it's always to empower other mm-hmm. people. And I, and I, that's why I always start off the statement with unfortunately. So mm-hmm. I don't validate it to seem like I, and more of a man because of it, because I don't think seeing trauma is what made me a man mm-hmm. uh, whatsoever or being shot at because yeah. unfortunately I was shot at a lot too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but it's like, I see it like when I look back at it now and when you, when you think about it, you learn a lot about yourself as a person and what yeah. you're capable of, you know, yeah. and I learned what I'm able to take what I'm able to withstand. And when you take all of that, and now when you go to getting out of the military, yeah, something happens there, you know? And for me, it was like, almost it felt like a strip of identity, basically, because I, I got out. Um, my mind was a, wasn't really, it was a medical retirement, but it was, it was kind of hairy because um, I was in a pretty, I was not in a good marriage. And I ended up um, having an affair with another um, service member because I just wasn't happy. Did I, yeah. Was that the right choice? No. I, I can say that. And if people judge me, that's fine. I don't care. But it was a mistake. I made it. It is what it is. But I was on the process of getting administratively separated after 17 and a half years. Yeah. You know, but after and as I go through with counseling and stuff, it was because of me not being able to talk to my ex ex-wife, of just yeah. being unable to share and talk. So I found someone who did. And unfortunately, that happens. It's not the right answer, but it happens. Yeah. So then as I was going through that process, I was kind of, like, you know, like shooting myself in the foot like crazy, just like all this bad stuff. So now I'm carrying that. Yeah. Then after that, I find out that I have type one diabetes Oh wow. where I have to. Yeah, I have to give insulin and check my blood sugars every five minutes. No family history, nothing and PTSD. So now that switched from administrative separation to medical retirement yeah you know and it's like okay so now i gotta deal with all this stuff so for a long time i felt like that was a punishment you know like okay you know what you did had an outstanding service record you were never in trouble you made one mistake so i'm gonna give you this so that way you're at least compensated for everything you did right you know 
And and at the, it, it, when I got out, it felt like my whole identity was just stripped. Like I didn't know because I joined at 17 years old. I was a kid. Yeah. I've been on my own since 17. So now here I am, 35 years old, on my own. Like what the heck? You know, like didn't right. know what was going on at all. So like, and that's where I went through a hard time of like su- suicide attempts, and I got arrested because of my ex-wife, and I battled that whole process, and it was just a crazy, it was a crazy dark couple of years after I got out. So for yeah. you, like after you going through Haiti and all the stuff in Afghanistan that you went through, how was your transition? Like how was it? Was it good? Was it kind of and like was it kind of smooth, rough? So how, let let the people watching kind of what you what was yours like? I, I think that there's a common mistake with the average 21, 22 year old uh, person who's getting out of the military, because that's that's the age that you are getting out. You're a veteran. At 21, 22 years old, typically, majority of the people who join the military get out after four years, and then they're a vet. They're a veteran. So now they've had two titles. They were a Marine, a soldier, an airman, a sailor, and now they're a veteran. And you're you're issued two titles by the age of 22. And I don't think a lot of people really take that into consideration, that you have these things that you can choose to hold on to and give mm-hmm. A part of your identity to or you can attempt to say i got out for a reason and that reason is because maybe i didn't want to stay in because i had a tough enlistment so for example i'll tell you eric that i had a really tough enlistment and not just with uh, combat as a rifleman in the marine corps not just with humanitarian aid i have a court martial oh wow italian njp um i had to run away from the military for 28 days to see my daughter born because they wouldn't let me and i lost a lot because of that and then i was accused falsely of hazing and i had to take a court martial saying uh i i verbally harassed a junior marine that i cursed at him so i got court martialed for it and then you know i got out after the four years even though i wanted to do the full 20. i was that motivated guy who did well in Mm -hmm. so when you get out you get to say Am I a Marine? Am I a veteran? Or do I want to try and put those things down and be the best civilian I could possibly be to prove in spite of my differences with the Marine Corps, I'm a real man. And you can fool yourself by thinking that you need to validate yourself even more. After you did all of these things, you're a father, you're a combat veteran, you have your humanitarian award, you're you're a man in society's eyes, right? Mm -hmm. You're what you signed up to be. You'll still fool yourself into thinking, I need to be more. And yeah, that can be a good thing or a bad thing. It can be a good thing because you might actually achieve more. Yeah, <laughs> or it can be a bad thing because you might not. And then four years later, you're saying, "I've been out for four years, and I'm working construction, and I didn't plan on working construction. That's all I could do, unfortunately." Um, it was horrible for me, even though I did everything right. I went to college. I got the bachelor's degree. I had more kids. I I lived a good life. I provided for my family. Um, I took care of my family and I became a welder. I started welding on the oil rigs. After that, I put myself through college. After that, I got a job as a regional manager with a with an actual corporation, the world's leading franchise at the time too. Nice. Um, and I still wasn't happy because all I saw was that I was going to have to work for somebody else the rest of my life, just like I was in the Marine Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer the question, it was horrible because 
I force myself to try and be better, but not to be happy. Right. And and that happens, you know, like in that, and that, that's kind of, I, I picked up on that realization when COVID happened, um, you know, when you're in the military, you're, there's always someone working for someone, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you don't really think about working for yourself really. And if you look at the stats for entrepreneurship, it's, it's, it's a large chunk of it is veterans, yeah. you know, because they have the skills and the drive to actually do it. Um, and for me, I realized that I wanted to work for myself was when COVID happened because I work at Intel down here in Oregon and I work in the fabrication shop, helping, helping make the computer chips and things like that's what I do. But, and it's not a bad job, great benefits. You know, it's, it's a great company, super veteran oriented and pro veteran, like no other. So it's like, I don't, I'm not complaining about the company. What got me was, is when COVID happened, they let all the engineers go home but not the people who were working that can actually do the same job from home. Right. So because I didn't have an engineer title, I couldn't work from home. Right. And that's, that's when it got me. And I was like, what the seriously It's like, I can, everything I'm doing here, I can do from home. And I've been right. trying to, and I've still been told no. And right. it's like, so now it's like, cause I being diabetic, I, you know, I have to spend days at home sometimes cause sometimes I can't go to work. So it's like, it's like, if you know, if you guys would just let me work remotely, I can do all this stuff from here, especially if I have days where I'm kind of struggling. And that's, and that's when I realized that, you know, like I don't want to work for nobody else because all these engineers and everybody in the executive corporate, they're all at home. Right. You know, but all, all of the other people, the busy bees are in the fab are working and doing things in the factory. And it's like, no, like no more. Like, so it's like, I haven't quit yet because unfortunately I have to pay child support and alimony. So there's that. But, uh, once that once my stuff gets going up and I make more than what I need to make, then I'm gonna be done because right. I want to work for myself. You know, like I want to be able to wake up in the morning and go, I don't feel like doing anything today. I ain't gonna do nothing because I don't have to. You yeah. know, like <laughs> and and do that. So, um, but for your uh, transition, man, like what I'm grateful for is is like you're still like here. You know, and. It, it, and that's a, that's a, that's a hard thing to do. And the, the hardest thing for veterans is to ask for help. That's the hardest right. thing for us to do, you know, because and, and, I, and people say, well, how? And I say, well, because in the army or in the military, you have someone to go to. You have your right. leader. You have your superior. Like for me, I was in E7. I was a sergeant first class. I had my I had my platoons and my buddy, my battle buddy, which is my platoon sergeant, my smoke man. And I was a gunny or I had the first arm. I had those people to go to. When you get out, who do you have to go to? Especially right. if you join young. You don't have no one to go to. You don't, I can't pick up the phone and be like, oh, hey, first R, by the way, I have a question. No, I, no, there is no first R because they're they're still active and they're still dealing with active duty soldiers. Yeah, right. I'm sure they take the time to talk to me. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like now you start going into that self-sabotage like, well, I'm not going to bother no one with my problems. I'm not going to be, I don't want to be a hassle. I don't want to be a burden. And that's when the isolation happens. And it's so easy to fall on that point because I did it. Right. And I, I think you did too, right? For a little bit. Cause that's what it sounds like. Yeah. I think about uh, seven years, I never once spoke about the military. And if I was around another veteran, I would just lie and not, not lie, but not say, Oh yeah, I was into, I would just not ever bring it up at all. Right. No. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's and that's a, the the shame and the guilt that's also part of it. Like, and, and going to school, like I learn all this stuff, and and that's why I try to at least get you know veterans to come on here and talk and share and just 
just so you can see like, hey, look, we went through some pretty rough times, but yet we're still here. You know, right. we were able to uh, turn it around somehow because all you got to do is pick up the phone. And I know that's hard for people to hear. And it's like it took me a, a, a hard, hard look to ask for help. And that that's that's one of the things that veterans do need to know is this. Someone will talk. You you got your buddies who who got out. Um, and it's like, you. I like to keep my circle small. I don't know about you, like with people I could talk to. Like there's acquaintances, yeah, sure. But then there's that inner circle where you know that that person will drop everything in a handbasket to help you. Right, right. You know what right. I mean? Like mm-hmm. I can count those those jokers on one hand. Well, yeah, right. there's other people I can talk to loosely, sure, about whatever. But like, it's it, and you have that, but you have to be able to realize that you have it. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. And and that's the hard part is, and a lot of it is ego. Ego, ego is a damaging, damaging thing because it's like, oh well, I don't need this, I don't need that. And, but yeah, you do. You right. just have to freaking get over your damn ego and ask for help because, and that's what I did. And now, I mean, I got my days and my moments. Like I know one time uh, I was driving, it was about a few weeks ago. I don't know what happened, but like, I got this thing where I rolled, it was like 40 degrees outside. And you know, you've been in the, in a gunner's hatch before and it turned in the vehicle mm-hmm. driving. So mm-hmm. I rolled all the windows down, turned on some music, some, some rock and roll music and just drove, dude. I felt like I was in a freaking turret all right. the way. 40 minutes back home. I was just driving like no other. I walk in the door. My fiance is like, what's wrong with your face? And I was, I told her and she was like, Oh my goodness. So like I had to tell her, yeah, she sat down and she talked to me and she worked with me too, to kind of get me out of that mode. But that's, it just popped in there and it just happened, you know? And, but being able to talk about it is, is what's key. So, um, as I I switch gears, unless you have anything to comment on that for anything real quick. No, I love it. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. So like for you, um, <clears throat> I see your Instagram and stuff. So what, how did that come up? What, what was the motivation and drive for that? Because it got, you got a lot of people over here writing on on the comments. I see most of them are on the, on the YouTube watching. You may know some of these people. You may not, you got, uh, oh, there's a lot of people. Yeah. There's just a lot of people writing on there. Um, you, you'll see them if you look on the YouTube, but people are, they, they're, they're writing about lawnmowers and whatever else they're talking yeah. about. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, <clears throat> what was your drive for your Instagram like? What 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 was the the reason for you to do that or the inspiration and then to kind of see because I see like you do funny military ones too, which yeah. is kind of funny. And I think you said you had a TikTok, then you got banned, and I don't know if you're back. But oh, um, I, yeah, I, I have a TikTok. I just I'm having trouble posting on it right now. I still have it and everything too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, what was the drive behind it, man? I, you know, I was working with that company as the regional manager. And unfortunately for me, my out, my ambition outweighed my aspirations with the company. So I volunteered to do every single thing. And since we didn't have anyone who wanted to do social media, I just started volunteering to do the social media for all 14 of these franchise businesses up and down the East, like the West Coast, just teaching them how to do it. And at the time, I didn't even have my own social media. And then finally, when I was leaving the company, they're like, you're funny. You should start your own. You should start your own. I started an Instagram account just for, you know, just for, for the gag of it back in 2017. Yeah. And it never really went anywhere because it wasn't me. It wasn't authentic, really. I was just trying to post things that I thought might, pe- might make people laugh, you know, nothing yeah. to do with the military at all. Yeah. Like, 
I think I might have posted one picture, and I remember someone commented who was a service member as well. He's like, "I thought you were just some clown. I had no idea you were actually a marine." I was like, <laughs> and I talked to my mentor about it. My mentor is like, "Yeah, man, perception's king. If you want to be the clown, you're going to be the clown. If you want to be the entertainer, you can be the entertainer." Who, who teaches? Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked for him for a couple of years and I left to start my own business, which was social media, teaching entrepreneurs and small business owners how to use social media to acquire business locally or online. And this new platform popped up called TikTok. And I, I said, hey, it's a new platform. You can get viral very easy. That's how new platforms are. They want you to be they want you to get followers. And he's mm-hmm. like, my, my old boss says, prove it. So I posted and that was seven months ago. And now I think that account has 1.2 million followers. Jeez. And uh, the only reason it has that many followers, I say that account, not my account, because I don't like to think that I have followers. I think the account has people who follow it because they're my friends. That account has a lot of followers because it's the real me without any ego. I'd like to think, hopefully, right? Without any falsehoods without any hangups without any projecting on anybody we don't do religion we don't do politics i just tell people what happened and why i think it's important that mental health is taught at an early age so young men like me have a better chance later on um for our grandchildren and great-grandchildren yeah nice that's legit man and that's you know i always like to hear why people do stuff because it's 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 like it's, it's, it's motivational and inspirational because, you know, everyone has a why, you know, what's, what's, what's their why, what's your why for doing right. stuff, you know? And I was talking with a guy and he's going through a tough time and his, his, he's like, his why is he's like, he doesn't have it anymore because it was his kids and now his kids are grown. Yeah. And I was like, well, no, you have a why. We just need to find it now. You just have to have right. a different why now, because if not, you'd be dead, you right. know? Cause if you don't have a why, that means you're dead. I mean, obviously you're not dead, so we just need to we just need to look a little harder to find you your why. Now you have to have a different why you do stuff. And I was kind of working with him through that. So it's like I see your why is is you know for what you had just said, and I think that's I think that's awesome and it's super cool that you uh, you started doing that. And I like some of your things that you do, man. They're pretty funny. Like <laughs> they yeah, they're pretty they're pretty good. I appreciate you. I you know I try really hard to make sure that. Uh, I was a personal trainer before um, while I was in the fitness industry. I I worked for Anytime Fitness. That was the franchise I had worked for. I was a personal trainer because no matter what your job is in a gym, you should probably understand how the equipment works and be certified. (laughs) So even though I was more in sales, I was still a trainer. And I think a lot of that applies to what I do in social media because my rule of thumb whenever I was training was I'm either going to make you laugh or make you cry at least one time in our relationship. So you under, so we have that kind of connection. So I can coach you so I can teach you the things I need you to learn so you can have success without me. So with my social media, I apply the same thing. Every video is I'm going to make you laugh or I'm going to make you cry and maybe not cry or really laugh per se, but at least breathe out your nose or think, Hey, I connected with that. I understand that a little bit, you know? Right. And, and as if you see, that's a skill and, and, a, and a characteristic acquired in the military, because in order for you to connect with your subordinates, you have to build a bond with them. Right. You know, and, it, and it's neat how you build that into social media. Like for me, I try to I, when I when I work with someone, I try to build the cohesion first. And that was right. my rule is, is if there's no cohesion, 
with your or with your person you're working with or with the group, nothing else is going to happen. The respect is indirect. It'll be there, but it'll be right. like a sort of a sarcastic respect. But if right. you have cohesion and you can build a cohesive team with who you're working with, you'll get respect. You'll they'll want to work for you instead of having to work for you because there's a difference. You can see the product where if you're working with someone who wants to work with you and work for you versus someone who has to, you can see right. the quality of the product that's there. So, right. and like for you, that's kind of what you do. You try to at least hook someone who watches. And I think that's awesome, you know, and that's, and it's neat to see because I've definitely, for some, I've seen some of yours where I was just sitting there. I was like, this dude pulling on heartstrings. Okay. Gotcha. You know, like, yeah. So I'll sit there and I'll be like, Oh damn it. You know? And then some other times I'll just be cracking up. Like we're, uh, I think that one latest one you just did, you said the PTSDs. That yeah, had me, that had me rolling. The, I was sitting there, yeah. and I was like, "What the hell did he just say?" Like I was uh, cracking up. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to show the disconnect that senior <laughs> leadership can actually have with what's going on. So, to refer to PTSD as PTSDs, you got them PTSDs, huh? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you know, I I like to think that I, I was a huge fan of literature literature as a kid. Like, well, I wouldn't say a huge fan. My father. I hope he sees this is an intelligent sociopath who loved to make sure that I was more intelligent than I should be, or at least more well-read at my age. So I wanted to be a writer and I not right now I'm trying to, but I think we talked about, I'm writing a book right now. I, I like to think that when I'm posting these videos, you can live vicariously through me. If the content is articulated enough that it's not like, Oh, I like Matt's content. It's like, no, I connected with that even though I wasn't in the military. Yeah. And that's and that's a and that's a hard bridge to try to build too, because yeah. like the military community gets it, you know. Right. So trying to reach it to like non-military people is like and that's that's a skill in itself. Uh you know, some of my biggest haters, um, I have I have two I have three types of vets who watch me. There's the type of vet when they're when they're watching me, they think that I want attention for the trauma. And there's that guy, you know, that guy and the listeners, if they don't know that guy, there are those types of people that we serve with that just, they're not cool people. They're actually, they just got in. They didn't do that. Well, um, they were kind of, we called them, you know, the dirt bags of the bunch for, for lack of swearing. And, mm-hmm. uh, they get out and what they like to do is tear other service members down. So they feel better about their service. And there's that percentage that exists. And those mm-hmm. are my biggest haters on social media is, those guys who want to say, this guy just wants attention. Um, it's it's a sad thing to see because when they say that, all I hear is what their father said to them as a child. Yeah. And that's and that's a shame too. It's like, I had like, and, it, and it's one of those things, you know, the more, the bigger you get, you know, you'll be loved, but there's always going to be haters too. Like, yeah. I, I actually had my first one and I thought it was kind of cool. Um, uh, but he just started saying some crazy stuff. And I was like, dude, why? Like, I have nothing yeah. to lie about. Like, like, cause I know in the army, they award bronze stars basically like now to like anyone who's like uh, E7 and above. But at that time I got mine as an E6, you know, which was hard to, to get And my other battle buddy. We got it also. Yeah. Um, and when you read the award, it says for exceptional meritorious service, but, when you read the narrative that was written, 
right. uh, the word heroism is in there a few times. So yeah. when I did a podcast with someone uh, a while ago, he highlighted that word instead of the others. So then I started getting messages from him. He's like, heroism? What are you talking about? And I was like, dude, okay, first of all, I never said that. And, yeah. you know, when you talk about heroism, heroism doesn't mean running through a stream of bullets, you know, that's yeah. like people have this has to have this disconnected idea of what a hero is, right? You know, and the Hollywood fantasy we it's yeah about. yeah and, and yeah that that Hollywood fantasy of a hero and really that's not what it is. Like he, heroic acts are just doesn't necessarily have to be anything where you're on the verge of death. You know, it's just mm-hmm. and he started like messing me. I was like, dude, I was like, I helped you with something when we were in. Like you, you, you punk man. Like why would you yeah. even? You know, like. And then that's just, it's just hating, you know, like what you're saying. I think you can tell a lot about a man's insecurity by the way he approaches confrontation. So Mm -hmm. when I I talk to young people, I always tell them, remember your fight or flight mechanism reflects your IQ and your insecurities and nothing more. The way you choose to get aggressive or fearful about something reflects the fact that you don't want to approach confrontation, it doesn't make you more of a man by bucking up on somebody. If you're able to take a step back and calm yourself, that shows how much of a man you are. So I get guys like that who will approach me like that. And I just say, let's take a step back and we don't have to get so angry to be right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's perfect. Like I just didn't engage with it. I just like, you know, I just, I didn't even really, cause you know, when it comes to something like that, you're going to keep fueling a fire that doesn't need to be fueled because they're right. not going to want to hear because they're they're right in their mind. And there's nothing you can tell right. them unless they have a decent head on their shoulders where they're like, you know what? OK. Yeah. A little that, that much, you know, yeah. so but most of the time you're you're going to be it's like you going to in front of a wall and you're trying to tell the wall you're not a wall, right. you know, so. <laughs> yeah. And I get those. I get that's why it's the same thing. You know, I have I'm, I'm lucky enough to have. A lot of people who support me by being my friend online and they see the way I respond to comments. I get I get some really hateful comments. I get some comments that make you think, what did Matt do to this guy in particular to where yeah. he's going to respond something like that? And then they see what I respond. And what I just respond is usually I forgive you because the minute I forgive you, it's not that I forgive you for what you did. I forgive you for attempting to offend me. That way you don't actually have to offend me. That way I don't have to carry you around with me the rest of the day. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, that that's a I never thought of it that way, man. That's pretty that's pretty dope. I mean, because I know like I'm still I'm almost through that part where I'm more of the you know fight or flight where it's like it's not necessarily a, a run or a fight, it's more of a oh, you got something to say? Okay, I got something to say too, you know. And being a, as an E seven, you know, yeah. like the go as a as a platoon star, it's like you're not going to freaking talk to me crazy, you know, like. <laughs> right. Did you know that humans actually typically respond almost three times as fast in conversation than they're expected to by the person they're speaking to? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. So now when people get confrontational with me, I will literally sit there and I won't stare at them because I don't want to I don't want to attempt to try and provoke more confrontation. I'll just say, give me a second here. Let me think about what you're saying. That way I don't respond in a heightened state. And then they're just like. What are you doing? <laughs> like they, they want that argument and it doesn't happen. And then they get even madder a lot of time. Right. So um, as, as we're coming here, um, we're going to do our little closing. And then there's a bunch of people writing and I'll say some of their names. Cause there's a huge, most of them are on the YouTube. 
a lot of people who support you, and I'll, I'll throw I, some of their names out there. I know you there. got a lot of fans, man. Yeah, so like they're they're on their writing. Fifty, but uh, for you, um, what's a what's something that you would tell the veteran community? You know, if you can say one thing, like if if they're not listening and they're just kind of being stubborn, but they're still watching, and it's more like a, hey, I need your attention right now because what I'm about to say is important. What would it be? Remember that you have a chance to be the version of yourself that the people who don't like you and don't care about you wouldn't care to see. So if you are able to learn as much about yourself, you would give yourself the actual chance to be the person that the people who don't like you and don't care about you wouldn't want to see. If you take a chance and learn about your own mental health, and learn about these things that can empower you or these things that can dissuade power, you can be the better version of yourself. And it's not the way that a lot of people who do conferences and entrepreneurs want to teach you and make you feel good and give you that rah-rah kind of conversation. But if you actually take a step back and educate yourself about who you are, you'll have a better chance at raising the children who could be better than you from the get-go. And that's what I try and do with my platform is if I could have one wish 20 years from now, it would be that I would be part of the reason why mental health classes are taught in school, that we have a mental education course the same way we have a physical education course. It's insane to me that we have PE, but our children are not taught about what's going on in their brain. So for everyone who's listening to me right now, remember your mental health comes in a spectrum and you are part of the reason why it's good or bad. That's legit. Perfect. Like I love hearing what people have to say at the end of, of my podcast, because I love hearing the unique spin that people put on the one message that they want for people. And I, I, I it's all beautiful. I love it all. Like you can hear like from different aspects and different things. And it's like it all, and everything is just the way it cultivates show after show and like yours was like perfect like there's nothing to even add on to it like it's just right there it's just boop done nothing to elaborate on nothing to to highlight because y- you said enough man like that was perfect in, in I it appreciate you. i appreciate yeah, it no, no worries dude and um for those people who are watching um this is a uh i stream this on facebook same name uh warrior mindset and motivation it's also on uh, anchored all the podcast spaces basically. Uh, Anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio. I just recently got accepted to Pandora, so I'm on there too. Good for you. So that's cool. Um, so you can hear who I talk with. You can download your favorite streams. You can do, send me a like, a follow, a subscriber, whatever you want to do. These are done every week with different veterans, people like Matt. You know, for those who people who are just watching today. Um, I had Jessica Lynch come on, the POW from back in the day. Oh, wow. She, she came on. Wow. So I was able to get her. Um, if you've seen the show Quantico, the guy Ryan Booth, his mm. name is Jake McLaughlin. He came on my podcast. He was on, uh, he was in the surge in Iraq. Okay. okay. So yeah, I had, yeah. I had him come on too. And him and I talk on a regular basis. He's a really cool dude, actually. And he just got picked up for another show. So I haven't heard from him lately because he's busy as hell right now. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the veteran rapper Soldier Hard, uh, Jeff, 
Yeah, Hill. yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I know him. Yeah, he came on. He came on here, and I had him come on. So it's like I try to get people to come on, you know, in all different lives. I got entrepreneurs. Uh, my best friend. I got Purple Heart recipients. You know, I almost had a Medal of Honor recipient come on, but he said no. Um, so there was that, and I just try. I try to get people to come on that'll bring value. Not saying that no one doesn't have value. It's just I need what I what I'm looking for is what fits and what applies. And I have a list and you know I I got my list for the week and you just you just became part of a part of the part of the show man. So now you're there in the archives and people can watch you whenever now. I I I appreciate the opportunity. I I try to make sure that uh I'm always interviewing for the chance to be on again. Yeah, sure, of course. And like and like I do that. Like if especially like if something happens or if I'm in a pinch, like I do like my best friend, uh he's he's a uh, one of my go-tos for a fire. He actually did one with me a couple weeks ago because the person I had was in a pinch and I didn't have anyone and I double booked somebody by accident. So right. he came on in a pinch and we talked about like, um, talked about anger and yeah. why it is, you know, what's it for the drive behind it and things like that. So it's like that, that was a good conversation. He's retiring from the military. He was in E8. He was a first sergeant. He's retiring and yeah. he's actually on terminal leave now. So he's not actually in no more, but he's still in. I call right. I call terminal leave that grace period is if you do something stupid, the army will bring your ass back and get you yeah. in trouble. <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what that is. So he's on that part and he should be swinging up here in June. But yeah, like if, if you ever want to do something else, man, like we, uh, we, anything specific, maybe you want to talk about or like something you feel that needs to hit a little home, we can do that. You just send me a message and then we'll. We'll do it. We'll throw it up there on a day. I try to do mine on Thursdays because Thursdays is my easiest day because yeah. um, I work Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, every other Wednesday. So Thursdays I, is like a prime day. I appreciate you so much. Some of the things you said to me have been things I've never actually heard another veteran say, by the way. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> when you said one, one of my lines here before, I know you got to go here soon. But one, one of my lines, I, I try and tell young people when they want to join, especially the Marine Corps infantry or army infantry, I say, remember, and if there's anyone listening who who's watched any of my content before, they've heard me say it a million times. So they're probably rolling their eyes like old Matt here trying to sound smart. I always tell them getting shot at doesn't make you a man or make you a woman. It just shows what kind of man or woman you are. And that's something that you had kind of hit on earlier. And that's, yeah, you can always tell someone who's who's been shot at when they say something like that. It's like, oh, you've been shot at, shot at. Okay. I recognize that. Yeah. I got some a little time. So I got about five minutes before I, I cut it off. But like okay. one of the things where was uh, I've been in uh, multiple stare downs, uh, yeah. barrels pointed at each other. Um, those are, whew, those were pretty rough. Like I say with mine, like if I write all my stuff down on paper, you would read it and go, why are you still alive? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, because <laughs> yeah. it was just when, when I was almost uh, killed in the IED and then a couple of hairy situations in Afghanistan, my first tour in 03, it's like fear left and it went out the window. And every deployment, I carried that to my people. And I even had a saying that uh, what before every time we went out, I would always say, we all come back or we all don't. Yeah. You know, that was the rule. That was my rule. And there was people who didn't go with me because of that rule. Like, they were like, well, no, I'm not about that. And I'm like, well, look at your left name tape. What the hell does it say? Right. You yeah. know, you don't choose. This is what it is. And they wouldn't go. 
and my people who were in my the, my squad, my section, they knew and they accepted it. You know, right. like and it's how I'll be. I'd be like, well, you know, this is the end of the convoy break. We all come back, and they would say, or we all don't. Right. You know, and that was what it was, and that was that's what the cohesion I was talking about that I had. You know, right. like that being willing to to die for someone you don't know, right. and. And then you learn to know them and they become your brother. They become your sister through hard times. And so, yeah, like that's kind of like a little bit of my little thing that where I've had my, my little things, you know, where it's like fear is like, and fear is created, you know, and I wrote a thing, I actually did a post and maybe this is something you can even hit on later on, maybe not today, another day, but fear, if you look at the word fear is four letters, F-E-A-R, fear is false evidence appearing real. Yeah. You know, you create the fear in your mind. So why can't you defeat that fear if you created it to begin with? Right. So if you don't allow it to manifest into some big old beast, then there's no problem. And even if it does, you're the only one that can kill the beast because you created it. You know, so that's that's my little tidbit for, you know, since you wanted since you threw that on there. So I was like, oh, I'm going to add my little sugar. How's that guy go with the salt like this? Yeah, 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 yeah. I do a little bit you. of sprinkles on there. I love it. <laughs> but um, I appreciate you for coming on, man. Um, those who are watching, you can check out Matt on his Instagram. It's in the description of his of the post here. I think it's a Matt under Matt uh, Matt under Matt underscore all right. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. All right, cool. So that that's what it is. Um, and for all of mine, um. I have a little link in my bio. I call it my fire base because I'm artillery and we have fire bases. Kind of like your link tree. I use solo and it has all my links there to all my platforms, uh, Instagram, YouTube, the TikToks, um, all the other platforms and things like that too. So give me a follow, give me a like, give me a share, go for Matt, share and follow his stuff. Um, I'll be posting this up on the Instagram here in a little while once I get everything uploaded. So, uh, we appreciate you, Matt, for coming on. You got a whole bunch of people over here writing, mainly on YouTube. From the names I can see, you got a Jake, Casper, Rhonda, Haley, Ashton, Herrick, Morgan, Alex. Uh, who else is here? Travis Bennett. He told you he'd come on something about 40 bucks. He'd give you a back rub or something. I don't know. That's a Marine thing, probably, I guess. <laughs> can I, can I so, tell them, can I tell them something real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't appreciate you guys coming out of the basement. Yeah, they they come out the world work over here. Apparently, they saw you were going to be on a show, and now you got a you got all there. Someone said scratch your chin if you see this. Someone said wink if you see this. Like I'm like, well, no, he doesn't see it because only I can see the comments. Ashton told me I should join your Twitch. I don't even know what a Twitch is, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Nicole said scratch your chin, and then yeah. Ashton said give us a winky wonk. So this is uh, just some of the. <laughs> <laughs> some of the comments. Oh, Ashton said they're running back in the basement. Apparently, you so got him. Said run back in, guys. <laughs> they're so cute. I, I love them so much. So yeah. So thought I'd highlight those little comments real quick for them. I said I would, and I'm a man of my word. So I wanted to <laughs> throw those names out there so they know that I read their stuff and I see them. And now they're all running back to the basement as I put my earphones <laughs> up there. <laughs> so they're all saying run, 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 run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cute, it's kind of like you know the buddy rush. Now you see me now. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, well, we see them, so now they're running. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you for coming on, man. Everyone in the comments, thank you for watching. 
Um, tune in on Thursdays. That's when I do it. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, or if you go to my Facebook page, Warrior Mindset and Motivation, you can watch it live there. You follow there, and you'll you'll get the notification that I'm coming on. So thanks, everyone. Thank you for coming on, and everybody have a nice day.